This episode of Super Pulp Science is brought to you by Quirkylicious. Honestly, just Google Quirkylicious. All my stuff pops up. <laughs> this is an ad. Um, <laughs> yeah. Attention, citizens. It's time for Super Pulp Science. This is Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. I'm here with long-traveling co-host, Samantha Biko. Hey. Long-suffering co-host, Justin Curry. Hey, hey. And Drake Choi. 10 out of 10. Yes. I practiced before the show. I really did. Who is an author and illustrator of the Sin manga series, but also known by the internet handle. Is that how we'd want to say it? Quirkylicious. That's how people know you. Yeah. Do I, they call you quirky and things like that when they meet you in person? No. Although some people will say like, hey, quirk. But a lot of people figure out my name is Drake like pretty quickly because it's on the banner and it's kind of in their face. So you, <laughs> you benefit from excellent marketing. Yes, I guess so. Yes. P.S. Need a logo still. <laughs> P.S. Branding is important. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Drake is a longtime convention warrior, and that's why we'd like to bring him on the show. I first knew about Drake because Justin knew about Drake. So, maybe Justin should tell the story of where Drake came from. Oh, my God. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, no. Tell my origin story. <laughs> I, uh, I first became aware of Drake the first time I went to Calgary in, like, 2012, I think. It was the first time I went to that show, and Drake was one of the first people in Artist Alley to have an actual print display that went above the table that wasn't like lying flat. And so the two or three people in Artist Alley that had that figured out really, really stood out because one, not many people knew how to do it, and two, not many people had enough work to actually facilitate height. Um, and so I was too scared to talk to him that year. But then the next year in Vancouver, we were kitty-cornered to each other. And uh, I thought I had, yeah, I thought I had done enough to maybe like warrant a conversation. So we started chatting. And then we just kept seeing each other. Do you remember this other. first meeting, Drake? Uh, I remember having my head down. I was drawing because I still did sketch commissions back then. And my partner at the time was the one who probably reached out to you because she was the socialite, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But and yeah, she, I had my head down and I was drawing. I was just like, oh, hey, some guy's trying to talk to us. All right, sure, why not? It'll go away eventually. I'm sure. <laughs> but I never did. <laughs> and so you just wanted him to go away? Is that what? Is that the point of this story? Um, because you had a you have self-described yourself as beginning in convention land as being very shy yes but you know anyone who's met you in the last few years would not would be like well this guy's super yeah you're very outgoing and outgoing friendly and friendly yeah. what's going on at um, least at the table oh everywhere now don't worry Greg. Yeah, okay. it's not just the just the front i put on <laughs> um yeah i started out i think at that time i was still transitioning from being like super shy introvert into like you know more outgoing friendly person i am now uh, so yeah, I think definitely my partner did the legwork in establishing that beginning of our friendship there. <laughs> and too, like it was just over the years, 
we do a lot of conventions and you start to see the same faces over and over and over again. And so it's almost like we're seeing these people more than we see like our real friends back home. Yeah, you spend 20 weekends times 40 hours yeah. in a year. That's a lot of time to spend with people who are your work colleagues. And we're, yeah, we're all going through the same thing. We're kind of working together. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of good friendships have been cultivated from just seeing these people over and over again. And you suffer on the show floor, right? Together. Yeah. If it's a bad show, if it's a slow show or it's poorly run or whatever, everybody kind of... Yeah, sometimes we start a group chat and then like we'll just bitch a little on there. Yeah. <laughs> We're really bored. Just to vent <laughs> but, uh, it, right? That you doesn't happen that often though. No. Yeah. You no. got to put it somewhere, right? Yeah. So it's good to have yeah. people who... Yeah. So how did you get into making art for a living? You do this full time. Full disclosure. I think, yeah, and you've been doing it longer than any of any us. Any of us. When did you start? Get um, the story. I actually got super lucky. I still feel like I'm pretty lucky. But um, I kind of stumbled into art. It was like the last year of high school. My grades weren't that great. And I was like kind of being pressured by like, you know, Asian parents and everything to like go into post-secondary immediately and figure out what you want to do with your life. So I was like, all right, I'm kind of known as the artist guy, you know, amongst the students. So I was like, maybe I'll go into art. I guess I'm okay at that. Uh, so I went to art college in Calgary because at the time I was like kind of too scared to go live alone in like Vancouver or Toronto for any of the bigger art institutes over there. And I don't know, I heard okay things about ACAD, which is the art college I ended up going to. And yeah, uh, initially I kind of hated my time there because their program required you to do two years of fine arts before like declaring your major. And I did not want to do fine arts. I was like, I was a kid, so I was like, ooh, concept art for video games. Yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. Yeah. And did, uh, it, did it bother you, this distinction that was made between building up a whole world and doing a painting that is essentially building up a whole world, but it just doesn't have context? Like, I have a trouble with this distinction of fine art versus art in general. Um, I just didn't like the lack of industry structure to fine arts. Right. And it's also, always about self-improvement, not about what you could do for other people or an industry or like well, practical application is like the last thing on the list usually. Yeah. We're yeah. lowly commercial artists. I yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What bugged me was definitely the lack of practicality to what those first two years was teaching me. Mm -hmm. Like some of the classes were like, go do like performance art. And I'm like, oh, I just want to do like digital illustrations for like some sort of market. And no, they're like, go like make a uh, statue out of trash you find around where you live. That's like, super like fine projects artsy. like that. <laughs> yeah. But hold on. Okay. So if you're into sculpture, this is the greatest direction you can be given. But oh, yeah. if you know that you want to, yeah. So they didn't let you declare your right until. your thing until two years of this for right. whatever reason. I don't know why. Uh, so, so that's what was frustrating. So some people go to school hoping to find the thing they'll be good at, but yeah. you believe you knew already. Yeah, so I definitely had a very way. strong idea of what I wanted to do and what my, or what I excelled at already, and I just wanted to improve upon that even more. So you suffered through school. When did they finally let you? When did you let yourself actually just make the art you wanted to make? Um, well, it was after the two years, like, so third year hit, you were allowed to de declare you want to go into design and illustration and stuff. And so projects started feeling more relevant to what I wanted to do. But like, even then, uh, I felt like they weren't very challenging or the instructors still weren't quite sure what you wanted to learn. And if 
they did know a lot of them were out of touch with the, with the industry so i ended up feeling like kind of jaded still because i was like man i actually know what i want to learn now and like i just realized you guys actually can't teach a bunch of these skills that i'm asking for so i spent a lot of time like just doing homework on these projects and i started and getting like freelance jobs of like mobile game companies because at the time i had kind of like a big art following online on DeviantArt, which you know was big once upon a time as well and yeah it was cool just like doing stuff for mobile games and feeling like I was a professional again and kind of getting my life on track. But this was all Just, while you were in school. Yeah, yeah it's pretty crazy is, that you had a freelance gig like that. That was the, um, the what was it called? Where you did the, like, the level up characters? Uh, that came in the fourth oh, year yeah. of our college. But yeah, that was Urban Rivals. I remember, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. I remember that's how like I think I first discovered you online was yeah, yeah that. So that's pretty crazy that you had that during school. Yeah, well, it's just because I worked fast and then like... I didn't feel challenged by the projects or like that they 100% went towards what I wanted to do. Because so, even though it was character illustration and design, some of the projects were like, like, oh, this is what you could do for a magazine. And I'm like, I definitely don't want to go work for a magazine. So, right. But yeah. then you went finding, you have, um, uh, as a former educator, well, a current educator, but a formerly employed by the school system, <laughs> yeah. um, I find it fascinating that you not only knew what you wanted, that you pursued it parallel to also going to school to work hard on stuff that you didn't want. Like, it wasn't like, oh, well, school's not giving me what I want, I give up. Yeah, it kind of sounds it like was, school... school's not giving me what I want, I'll just do it anyway. And that didn't deter you? Like, your peers at school didn't make you think that you were going in the wrong direction or anything like that? Uh, no, not really. self-confident and... Yeah, I was really confident in my ability and, like... I don't want to sound braggy, but like out of the, that class, I felt like I was like top five of the artists that were there. Yeah, it's not bragging yeah. if it's an accomplishment. If you're just <laughs> stating an accomplishment. In one moment of history-making violence, nature, mad, rampant, wrought its most awesome creation. I'm actually just sitting here as these guys are chatting, and I'm looking through your art book. This is your first art book? Yeah. And just the insane level of you going through your process like oh, yeah. step by step it's like this is just the drake art school like you went for that and you're like you're you're still doing that teaching through a lot of this and um so that was like is that what you wanted when you set out to make like this first art book like yeah so what i love about art books is just like it's not just a book full of prints because then it'd just be a poster book um i really want to share my thought process as I worked on a piece and why I approached it a certain way. And I'm, I've always felt like I'm really good at articulating why I do certain things. So I thought it'd be really cool to just like share what I did and how I did it and kind of made it like a bit of a book for other artists to read and like be like, oh, okay, so this is why he chose to do this and this is what his inspirations are. Yeah, we've talked about this before. When we find an artist we like at a convention, usually the first thing we try to find is their art book. Yeah. If they don't, if they have an art book, that's like easy purchase. But yeah. yeah, just trying to pick one or two of their prints is is yeah more difficult. So I'm I'm glad more and more artists are starting to make art books. It just but even for yeah. you, it is this is rare in the art book world. This is what Sam is. She's also she's fallen back into the book now. She's yeah, just sorry, wise. I'm gone. Yeah. gone. <laughs> but it for dear listeners uh, who are thinking about you know how do i approach composition use of light uh digital tool set the quirkalicious art books 
they break that all down a step at a time and it's uh rare actually for that to exist in most of the convention art books even mine doesn't do it quite well doesn't do it even half of that well so why share all your secrets, Drake? Uh, that's a good question. Why share all my secrets? Yeah, I don't know. Did someone share secrets with you? No, never. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wish they did. Like, that's why I was so frustrated with ACAD. Um, even if someone did share their secrets, it was like with something I didn't, that didn't really help uh, apply to what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and then in convention land, like a lot of artists are very hush hush yeah they're like they're very competitive yeah they're super competitive so they probably wouldn't want to share especially because you are kind of an anime artist and anime artists i feel almost have a bit of a different reputation than they comic do. book artists yeah they have a reputation so anime artists alley artists in general they do have a reputation of being a lot more competitive with each other and it's almost like they kind of like like bite at each other like oh, you, like they secretly do like something that's like the next big series and they want to do it before anyone's heard of it or has known it. And I heard a story but, from the show floor of like, maybe you told me a story where you observed it. Like, I'm going to draw everything that you draw from now on. Is that, a, was that a story? There's also, there's a lot more drama with anime artists or maybe I just... No, you're No, I think there's that. just, yeah. There's, there's plenty of drama. There's drama with artists. At shows in drama general. everywhere. Yeah. Anywhere but, where people are <laughs> fighting for their livelihood based on creative properties, you'll find drama. Yeah. Right? But there was uh, our insecurities uh, are all on display. Yeah, we won't name any names or anything. But that was one of the, like the biggest threats, in like <laughs> in the art artist alley, was one person screaming at another person that I'm going to draw everything that you draw, like any genre, any series that like you post, I'm going to immediately do that too. Right. And that was like the most hurtful threat I could. I've ever heard of. Yeah. It's funny. Can you imagine like, you know, we're from Canada, right? Can you imagine like group of seven artists? They were basically all painting what everyone else was painting too, but their style shone through. And that's, you know, it was, it was a way to encourage people like, let's all paint these landscapes and support one another yeah. as opposed to, don't you dare draw that monster with such great lighting. Yeah. <laughs> right? Monster Hunter is my genre. Like, yeah, you can't do Monster Hunter here. pieces. Yeah. Okay. So you, uh, draw and you write and i think a lot of people familiar with quirk from the show floor may not be familiar with sin your manga series that has been ongoing since since i was in like high school honestly like that's when i first started like trying it and i just kind of kept building on it yeah so tell me about that um so i always knew i really liked uh, studying narratives or storytelling in general, like I, I, I'm kind of like a self-proclaimed movie critic, so I'm really critical about storytelling and all those things. And I was showed an interest in creating my own story, um, and making a manga-style comic was just kind of an outlet for that. And um, while doing shows for so long, like at the end of the day, even though it was like done in my style. And it was like stuff I'm passionate about, like games I play and shows I watch. At the end of the day, I knew it was fan art and it wasn't my own, you know, intellectual property. And I was like, I really want to create my own thing and like have it be vague or take off or something. So that was like always a bit of a dream of mine. So Sin's been my pet project. How many pages of Sin? Um, how many pages? Uh, you can do the math for me. 
I think before I put it on hiatus, I was at roughly about 60 chapters, and each chapter was 15 pages. That's 900 pages. 900 pages. There you go. That's 900 pages. Yeah. So Sin went through a very weird, um, I guess not weird, but it has, it has a long story. So it first got picked up by this uh, independent like online manga publishing company called uh, mangamagazine.net. And they... And at the time, I was I was still doing Sin as like a side project for funsies. I did, I was like, this isn't gonna make money. There's no way this is gonna take off. I'm just doing this to practice sequential art. And so they picked it up, or they offered to like pay me a certain amount per chapter. And I was like, whoa, getting paid to do art? Yeah, sure, why not? I'm like, 19 at the time, 20, and I totally didn't expect anyone to pay me to do comics. So was this? I need to interrupt. Was this before or after the? Uh video game concept art that you were doing um during during yeah so you're doing concept art for video games you're making your own manga and you're going to school no yes. wonder you found school to be less than challenging <laughs> carry on so yeah that happened but it wasn't too much work because i told i told them outright i was like look i'm working for mobile games and i'm still kind of in school uh i could do like one chapter a month so that was like 15 pages a month so it wasn't too bad but uh, yeah, so I did that for a while, and then Manga Magazine rebranded to Ink Blazers for like a couple years, and then Ink Blazers just shut down entirely one year, kind of abruptly. It kind of pissed off a lot of the the people who were involved, but like it didn't affect me too much because it wasn't my main source of income at any point. I was just cool that I was getting paid for it. So after Ink Blazers shut down, I put Sin on hiatus for like a year. And then I continued it afterwards just because I still had that itching to do narrative stuff. You and just put it out right yourself after Yeah, that. and just mm -hmm. put it out myself. Right. Yeah. So Sin has, you know, 900 pages, uh, like a huge cast of characters, just like really elaborately choreographed fight sequences in it. Uh, I see. But the art style, this is where I'm going. The art style is very different in some regards to your painterly style for your full color work can you talk about that difference yeah so that's something interesting too like i'm known for these like super cool dynamic action paintings um but when i go do my manga it's you know it's manga style artwork it's clean lines um black and white black and white yeah. so there's no color at all and like i'm actually also just known for dynamic paintings like the Colors are very vibrant, and I do, like, a lot of, yeah, just, like, lots of colors. So going back to, like, black and white and clean lines and everything, every time I switch between working on prints and working on sin, I got to, like, kind of, like, adjust how my brain is thinking as I'm drawing. And I thought it was just really cool how I was trying to develop two sets of skills at the same time, and I saw it as a bit of a personal challenge sometimes. Uh, and honestly... I would have liked to stick to something that was more cohesive so that like people see my prints could immediately see my manga and be like, oh, yeah, this is clearly the same art. But uh, I didn't quite know how to do, I guess, a manga with like a painterly style without it being a shit ton of work. And right, I also yeah. really didn't know how to do nice, sick prints with just line work and cell shading and stuff because I liked the painterly look a lot. So Why not both? Why not both? Time. 
and cohesion. Yeah. Yeah, I'm blown away. I knew Sin was big, but I thought it was this big. Like we have a few volumes at the studio, so I didn't quite realize the breadth and width of it as a 900-page magnum opus, uh, which most people can't sustain that kind of interest in a story. We're witnessing the secret of creation. You are starting something new, though. Yeah, so I actually tried to relaunch Sin this year. Yeah, you Uh, redrew the first couple of chapters. Yeah, I redrew the first three chapters, and I'm re-releasing one chapter a week every Wednesday on Webtoon. And while I'm doing that, I'm also, like, fixing up panels that I think the art is just, like, really shit (laughs) and doesn't go with what I do now. I'm also rewriting bits and part of it so the story uh, flows better, so you don't feel like, oh, why wasn't this mentioned earlier, but it's happening now, blah, blah, blah. Just, like, little bits. And as I'm doing this, I'm realizing, you know, I'm just not super passionate about uh, Sin anymore. And then I was like, well, why am I trying so hard to make this work if even I'm not passionate about it anymore? And I think I just uh, had a difficult time dealing with the idea of accepting like a project I put so much time in as a failure. Yeah. Yeah. But is it a failure? You did 900 pages of a story. Yeah. But, like, it never, ever took off the way I wanted it to. Right. Still and could. Yeah. You're not dead but yet. But, like, but that's my point, though. Like, um, it still could, but if I was passionate about it. And um, right now, I just feel like I'm being stubborn, and I want it to be successful. Not because I love it anymore, but I just want it to be successful because I don't want a failure on my resume. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, I kind of, like, I kind of, like, very recently kind of like came to terms with that and like okay well what am i passionate about i've always wanted to do a comic about like something related to gaming so i came up with a concept for that it's about like kids who want to be pro gamers but yeah that's like in the works and i kind of trying to keep it hush hush a little but anyways so too sin- late <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah sin I'm still going to go through with the relaunch and try to do one chapter a week. But once it's caught up to where I put it on a hiatus, I think I'm just going to let it, you be know, over. yeah, let it be over or until like shelve it. Yeah, shelve it. Or, you know, if like people show interest in it again after reading my other comic and be like, oh, hey, what else has this guy done? And if they want to see an ending to sin, I could always try to wrap it up in the future. Right. Yeah. Um, they do have 900 pages that they can revisit if they feel like yeah, they need more. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's a lot of content to like sink our teeth in anyway. Yeah. Sam is still completely enraptured in this art book. And this is just volume one. Do you have you have other Yeah, art volume books? two's out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, He's very prolific. Like, just like 900 pages of this manga. And also, I'm just flipping through this book and like, and there's a new one, and there's another one, and another one. Like, mm-hmm. you do a ton. Like, crazy how where do you when do you sleep when do you go to cons like uh yeah i want to know the life of drake um i think i've always planned out my life to maximize efficiency and that that's in a way like a strength and also like i guess a weakness because a lot of people tell me i don't know how to relax like i honestly god don't know how to like go on vacation and just not do anything (laughs) but relax We've yeah. had that conversation on this podcast. That mm-hmm. We suffer from that too. Yeah. But perhaps not to the same degree. Maybe not. We're not yeah. doing as much. <laughs> yeah, we're clear. We're not doing it right. What, yeah, what having you on the podcast has convinced me of is that I need to do more work. You do need to work harder. It's, it's true. true. <laughs> it is definitely true. Um, yeah, but yeah, like I'm always thinking of what I'm doing with my time and how it could 
help further my career. So even when I'm like relaxing, I'm doing air quotes right now, playing video games, I think, okay, um, this is kind of like market research. If I play this video game, could I do a print of it? And how well would that sell as a print? Uh, is this video game popular enough or is it too niche? Blah, blah, blah. So I think about all this stuff even when I'm just like buying my next video game to play. Yeah, and a video, you know, video games are to this generation they're what books were to my generation as far as like you have a favorite that has this nostalgic value and i've seen uh, this sort of incredible effect on 20 somethings at shows where they exclaim with such delight that oh this game they thought was super niche from the dreamcast someone made art from it and you know they spent 200 hours one summer doing nothing but playing this game and Panzer someone Dragoon, fi- yeah someone finally understands it someone gets them and they've distilled the core idea of these 200 hour experience into a single image yeah so this is what you're doing as you're playing these games it's yeah. just like reading and rereading a novel right yeah. like what is the essential idea and right that's actually why i love conventions so much is like distilling that feeling and that passion into something into one image to like give to someone to like when it's done well yeah like it's not always done well but when it's done well when an entire like nine season show is like distilled into like one picture wow yeah yeah so that's why i still love doing cons and uh it's probably why like i'm still not i never get tired from them like i do like roughly 30 a year i do like four back to back and then like i have a week off and another four back to back but i'm still really enjoying it and i never feel exhausted or tired out from it because it's just so fun sharing all these creations with people who I've shared the experience of playing these games with as well. And yeah, it's really great. So when you're playing online, do you, is Quirkalicious your gaming handle? Like, do people know they're playing against the guy whose yeah. poster is hanging in their room? Yeah, it's really cool. When I play League of Legends and Overwatch, every now and then I'll be in a game and someone will be like, Quirkalicious, like the artist, question mark? And I'm like, yeah, that's me. And they like freak out a little and it's really cool. Yeah, because they literally have your poster up while they're playing yeah, you. Or, or they've seen my art on Reddit or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, the like arenas in which people have access to creatives now are so much more diverse. Yeah. I think it's, I think so. It's wild. It's totally wild. Um, Sam, hmm. you had a flirtation with the fine arts world Mm. (laughs) yes Mm. yes um i started out doing a fine arts degree and kind of similar uh you know you're learning all these things and but um fine arts is much different than a design uh degree uh where you're not really learning technique you're just kind of like oh we're just we're doing like very bait like very um traditional medium and you're learning more of your medium and your style will come through that, and not really gonna prepare you for a career, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, like, so I did not come from artists. I came from tradespeople, um, nurses, uh, millwrights. Uh, so I really had no one to kind of guide me and say, "Oh, well, you could have got a design degree." So I quit fine arts because I was like, "This is not what I want at all." Um, and I went and completed my. Um, English degree went into book publishing and it, I kind of I but I did start out with art and using that as a gateway to telling stories mm-hmm. way before I became an author or writer um, so I put my art aside for like 10 years like more than that 
And so I'm just now coming back around to it. Yeah, but you're back in it now. After Mm -hmm. I've spent all this time at Comic-Cons, because I've been been doing them one way or another for the past eight years, but in more of like a book capacity, like with book publishers. But in the last and recent years, working with you guys um, and working like in the traditional comics industry, I've slid back into that world and I've become a comics editor as well, um, in addition to like a books editor. So it's kind of feeling like now is... Maybe now is the time I should just re-equip myself. Right. And kind but of you already draw and write and paint traditionally and digitally. You make sculptures. You make mm-hmm. some pretty incredible sculpture work. Yeah. But yeah. it's been it's it's just so it's so interesting when you're kind of in the book publishing world and the writing world. Uh, you it's really hard to do both. It's hard to focus on one or the other. And comics publishing is so different than book publishing. And I was just talking with Drake before um, we came on this podcast about how to pit, like pitching comics is so much different than pitching a novel. Oh yes. Um, And because it takes so much more time to do a full comic than it does like a novel, like you can bang out a novel and submit it. Um, And I'm not saying that that's something you should do. Um, But I mean, (laughs) 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 but you know what I mean? Like it's just so much, so much more intensive and building up your like artistic talents like this is really good. i'm just gonna take this home like, <laughs> it's um, been here it's, on the shelf all this time. i know we have the second one too somewhere yeah. yeah um so yeah i'm just kind of getting back into it but i've i've been behind the curtain for so for so many years now i'm coming out pay no attention to that man behind the curtain the greatest has spoken so again as a former educator as a current educator in a different form do we owe it to those schools and places that we came from where we couldn't find the things we needed to go back to them and show those young people, hey, here's our careers now. Mm-hmm. Like show people how to do the thing that no one is showing them how to do. Uh, yeah, I do it all the time actually. Whenever yeah. people come to me at cons, and it's actually usually like a parent with their kid, and like the parent is like, look, my kid like really loves art. I think your art's amazing. Like, Do you have any advice? for us for like what we should do in terms of like uh going to school and stuff i immediately tell them don't go to acad <laughs> oh no an acad and, um, <laughs> and then also this t- episode brought to you by acad <laughs> and i also tell them how there are so many incredible online resources now you can find to become a digital illustrator or just like do what we do also i have a lot of friends who actually have started like schools of their own where they like teach these short term like one two year courses or not even you can just pay for like a few classes and they teach you the vital skills you need to get into the industry whereas like places like art institutions and stuff i feel like they're they're still a lot of them have curriculums that are still very archaic and don't um get you straight to exactly where you want industry wise and aren't as focused as you probably want if you're like really concerned about making a living as an artist. Yeah, whereas all these new schools popping up, uh, they all focus on that. They all give focus you on industry skills. They give you industry contacts. They, yeah, they have ties yeah. to the industry. Yeah. That's usually mm-hmm. a huge... Like, yeah, well, I have a friend who went through welding, yeah. right? Got a, like got his diploma to do to be a welder, and they placed him in the job market. 
and yeah. another friend that did carpentry and they placed him in the job market. Yeah. But if you do illustration, they go, good luck. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Do it right? yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Build was, your own uh, business. Yeah. Greg and I recently did, well, a while ago we did a, uh, we had a table at the U of M and we were selling our artwork and books and stuff. And we had quite a few students from fine arts and from the graph design at U of M come up and ask about um, like where we got trained and how all that worked. And that was the, the really big red flag that I kept hearing was people in final years had no interaction with the industry itself. Yeah, zero they were When they graduated, it was just kind of like, good luck, but yeah. you don't know anybody in your field. Yeah, and the thing is, like, you guys have gone and spoken at Red River, and you've spoken at the U of M. Whenever we can. Whenever yeah. you yeah. can, and the thing is that you keep doing it, but the programs themselves don't change. They yeah. just kind of rely on the good the good hearts of artists who struggled to Even actually take the initiative. what four of us should do today is go to the U of M or maybe to the U of W or maybe all of those, and just any class where a prof is late, we should just show up and start teaching. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Some practical skills. Hey. Listen, I yeah. don't have much time. Yeah, listen, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm from the future. <laughs> I have to I'm tell you. I'm you from yeah. the future. We're yeah. here to help. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, Drake, like in this book, you really, this is just volume one. You really kind of, you compressed a lot of the things that you need for like composition and um, just like building these, these really great sh group shots and just, but you, you took, you you did it in such a like approachable way. Mm -hmm. Step one, step two, here's the rule of thirds. Here's the rule of threes. Here's the Fibonacci sequence and why it's important. And you did it on one page, like each of these concepts, which like are high concepts in design and, and fine arts programs that they drag you through. And then like you guys say, they just shove you out the door and they're yeah. like, see ya. So by way of example, dear listener, uh, in this art book, there's a uh, large multi-character painting that is then League broken down from League with like 20 people right but then there. there's a side page that shows the the initial sketch the cleanup stage the base painting the mid-tone renders where the eye flow like addressing eye flow like where your eye will fall as a result of the color mm -hmm. balances you choose and then explaining contrast in a very easy to follow like it doesn't tell you how to do it it just shows you that if you're in your own practice right mm -hmm. here are some considerations that you should probably be you're thinking about thinking yeah. about yeah and that's highly valuable and yeah. thank you for for doing that no problem because yeah, i'm going to steal all these ideas <laughs> um, for my next and nice printing too yeah. so you go to a lot of cons um is your stuff available online to purchase um i don't sell them personally online because frankly i'm too lazy to deal with the hassle with of the shipping, shipping yeah prints and dealing with like damaged prints and people being like oh i need a refund and all that shenanigans but i do use a third-party website called redbubble mm -hmm. and i just upload my most of my selection on there and they sell it for me and i just get like a percentage sure. so i only really like recommend it to people who simply can't find me at a convention mm -hmm. because uh and then I do like jack up the price a little bit because I prefer that they buy from me at a convention. Yeah. But yeah, I have some fans in like Europe and stuff where like I just would never go to a con mm -hmm. in their area. And I'm like, look, just go here and buy it if you really, really want it and mm -hmm. to support my work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like for your art books, do you have ebook editions available like to buy or? My art books are exclusively exclusive conventions. conventions. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Get it from the artist by the artist. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. No. So find Drake at a con. It's yeah. very easy. He's, he goes he said, to them all. Goes to them all. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you not only uh, 
do Canadian and American shows, but you have branched out to Australia and Europe and Germany. Maybe in Ireland recently or something like that too. Yeah, we're in the Netherlands. Wow. Of, yeah, Netherlands, Germany, Dubai this year for the first time. Or was that last year? I don't remember. And yeah, Australia. I want to do Singapore next year. I'm going there actually in a month or two just to check out the show with some friends to see, like, do I want to go there? Wait, so it's a vacation, but a work vacation. It's a vacation. Yeah, yeah. vacation. Yeah, I'm going on a vacation to Japan and Singapore in like a month-ish. But um, the Singapore one, my friends who I'm with on this vacation, they're already tabling there. So like, Drake, you could just tag along and come in for the day, check out the show. Right, yeah. do some due diligence. Yeah, as yeah. It were. Actually attend a show. Isn't it so yeah. weird when you get to attend a show without having to table it? It is weird. I actually really miss it because um, I really love gaming, right? And there's so many gaming cons that I just want to go to just to attend, like BlizzCon and E3 and even TwitchCon to a certain extent. Yeah. It is weird being an attendee at a con. I want to go to a Lego convention. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I said kind of forgotten that I wanted to do that until this conversation. Like with your art? No. Oh, no. no. Oh, I want to attend. We're talking about attending. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sorry. They have some really yeah. big ones in the States. Yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to attend Gen Con, but I feel like ah. my first time going to Gen Con will be as an exhibitor. So... Gen Con is I a big con. gaming convention. That's where if you... Um, Table like not tabletop gaming. Tabletop gaming, yeah, sorry. Yeah. If you want to make a tabletop game and get it picked up or get it out there, Gen Con is usually where you go. That's yeah, it's the San Diego Comic-Con of role-playing games. Yeah. But quite a few artists actually go there and, and sell their art and have really good things to say. But it's a great community. Like It's, it's set kind of in the middle of a bunch of hotels, I think. Um, so everybody's kind of like in the same place the entire weekend yeah it's like a little village great. yeah 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 is there, is there an actual like artist alley at that place or yeah apparently yeah. drake just added show yeah. number 42 <laughs> for the year <laughs> and else just remind everyone there are only 52 weeks in a year yeah uh, when you're trying to get a concept of how many weekends that is so you're going and doing yeah it. so you were yeah. <laughs> oh, no. oh no so justin is dead we reanimated his corpse yeah. for yeah. this podcast for the first time in three years i saw justin play a video game for longer than an hour Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's been nice. Yeah. We had these lofty ambitions here in the studio. Well, you're in this, you've seen the studio before, Drake, but we have these lofty ambitions here that we'll slack off. We were going to go right? see movies because yeah. there's a movie theater, theater right across nearby. the street. We're going to play video games. Yeah. Man, it'll be so great. Everyone will think we're working so hard, but we're just going to slack off. Ha ha. No, we just work all the time. <laughs> yeah, I had to dust off the PlayStation before we could play it. <laughs> so, oh no! Yeah, so that was a that was a sort of a wake up call that maybe we should balance our time a little bit more with joy. We do have a good like backlog of amazing PlayStation games to to get through, and uh, uh, you know what? Research a lot of those. Yeah, well, we I brought my in kids piece. in to help me with my research, so they played Spider-Man while I worked on a Spider-Man piece, and so then it was, then it felt like an extension of me was playing the game, if not my direct experience, at least my genetic, my <laughs> genetic inheritance is learning. Hideous part of it, it's making the children obey its every command. The children are completely in its power. And we're in the power of the children. So, what do you have to say for yourself these days about this whole world? 
of like conventions and yeah like, yeah, like where do you see yourself like moving towards like where is what's that point on the horizon yeah. you set your uh you could lantern to you could be a manga um whirlwind you could just carry on with doing art at shows or you could do honestly actually really still passionate about selling art at shows like i know a lot of people get into cons because they realize it's a quick buck but um I like it's part is it your though? fault. Yeah, is it though? Not for everybody. Yeah, it's partly your fault. Uh, so you make these books that make it look so easy. So. <laughs> well, I was going to say, this book is a direct assault on that concept, right? Someone who's in it for a quick buck does not put out an art book of such nuance of how to make art and be an artist and to work but, on color theory and line. Yeah, but the thing is I have a lot of colleagues who go into like convention artist alley to make a quick buck. Like they're talented illustrators themselves to the point where like they can bust out a pinup of like a popular character or whatever. And I know a lot of them, they don't even bother, you know, knowing much about what they're doing. They just like figure out what will sell well, like what's the next biggest video game. And they don't play it. They're just like, okay, this is what the character looks like. I'll just do a nice pinup of them. And it's a quick buck for them, and it's easy. And I know a lot of people like that, and I try really hard to make sure my work reflects that I'm actually very passionate about all these things that I'm drawing. And that's why I also love going to shows personally. I also have a lot of friends who like send proxies or people to sell our work for them because they just hate going to shows or they're too tired. Um, and that's understandable. I'm not trying to judge them, but I'm just saying I really love going to shows personally, meeting all these fans and all these gamers who play the same games and watch the same shows I watch and be like, Hey, look at this piece of art I made. I hope you like it too. And like, we have like a little chat and we geek out a bit every time some customer buys my art. I try to have a conversation with them just to like geek out a little to share that passion and then yeah. So you're celebrating it together. Yeah, so I'm celebrating whatever I'm doing together. So I still love cons, so I want to continue doing that until this feeling goes away. I kind of hope it doesn't. <laughs> um, and then, But there's still that obsession with narrative that I've been like talking about with like Sin and Boa, and that's why uh, I'm working on this new manga-style comic again about like kids who want to be pro gamers because I just don't want to give up telling stories and narratives and sequential work, even though I know it's not um, very smart from a business point of view compared to my print job, I guess, mm -hmm. if you could call it that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, the whole point of you doing the print and the artist so that you can feed into crew, like doing your own thing and like so that you don't stay static. Yeah, that's another thing. Um, obviously, like the artist alley industry is a little easier to make money than comics. Uh, so I kind of use that and then I feel like I have a lot more freedom with my comic because I'm not pressured to find a publisher or someone to pay me to do it. So I have, I'm living comfortably off of what I'm bringing in from Artist Alley and then I have the leisure to do this personal project, comic, whatever, that I have tons of freedom with. And that's kind of like, I'm really happy with where I am with that right now. Uh, ideally this comic takes off and I can focus less on prints. But uh, I don't know. That's if people read it and like it. And yeah, if it takes off. You're just enjoying the ride. Yeah. Yeah. We are all interested in the future for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. So Sin's available on Webtoon right now. Yes. Uh, will your new project be on Webtoon Yeah, well? Epro will be on Webtoon as well. And I'm 
trying to really push Webtoon because it seems like a growing platform right now. Yeah, yeah, it is. We know a few people who are doing stuff on Webtoon, but the, I'm fascinated by the format shift. Webtoon requires a different type of narrative flow. So that's another problem I ran into. Uh, Sin was always done like as a manga, right? So it's got paneling for like print. Yeah, um, two-page spreads. And yeah, and I talked to people who work at Webtoon and like the creative director or CEO or whoever, Tom Eckel. I met him once. We, and it seems like they're really trying really hard to push the yeah the smartphone the like up and down scrolly right. format the endless canvas or whatever they call yeah. it. yeah which completely changes narrative flow and um and composition yeah mm -hmm. uh, and you can't you can't go from you can go from print to webtoon but you can't go from webtoon to print so it's kind of like they've locked you into their platform yeah. but that must mm -hmm. be that can't be their overall plan to never print oh it totally it is it totally is yeah is that's like yeah. that's their vision of the future. Yeah. yeah. No more. No more print comics. You want to read a comic, you get an app and you read it, scrolling up and down. On and the I screen. think also yeah. like we, we, my we, archaic soul now, is just to pull, shaking. Just the to pull, dust is coming just off. Just to my pull spirit. back from that, uh, from the publishing perspective, people said the same thing about eBooks. Yeah. Oh, everyone's going to be giving up books for eBooks. It's just that this is a platform that tons of people have and use. Everyone has a phone. People like. A lot of people who read comics can read them on their phone, and I think there will be. It's just kind of like it's a it's a sh it's a paradigm shift. It's comics Spotify. Is that am I? I think so. That? I don't use Webtoon, so teach the old man a new trick. But what's interesting is that like uh, you get notifications when there's an update, and there's like an update. There's a consistent update schedule, and so you can follow along as this comic grows and get really invested in it week by week. Um, and it's, it is just, it has offered up, because I remember you were like, oh, Webtoon, oh, and I showed you some comics on there, um, and the way that they were composed, and you were just like, oh, this is, great likeness, this is some kind of, <laughs> it's just, it's a different medium, it's a different platform. Yeah, like, I'm not against digital storytelling, like, I like the idea that comics go to new places, yeah. I love yeah. that, but I am... Um, You're reticent to... Yeah, it's not even reticent, I'm, uh, it's like, a, it's a paradigm shift, it's literally me looking at the validation of my own work and saying mm -hmm. if i couldn't change in my but here's like, what's it's gonna, my problem not here's what's gonna problem. happen webtoon is seeing this big um this big explosion they're going to all of these cons they have huge guest pre like creator presence at these cons they're like one of the main sponsors at new york new Comic york comic-con Con yeah. like that's a very big indicator and once their say their like numbers settle and they peak they're going to go into print they're going i guarantee you guarantee they will start, it yeah, yeah they will be like special edition we're gonna have a print arm now um, you'll need it because they're right? gonna need yeah. it because they're gonna want more revenue and yes yeah. yeah, it what like if they obvious... just start making merch though for the series you know what i mean even like merch won't will still not be yeah. like because i find with comics especially and i saw this um coming up through web comics and being a web comic fan where people would just buy a domain, put their comic online, and they would build these um, like loyal followings. And once they got to a certain threshold, they then they'd print. They'd print them because people yeah. would be reading them online and getting so in it for free. They'd be reading them for free, and they'd be like, holy shit, I want to spend money on this. We do that with Stay Silent, Stay Safe. Man. Yeah, so that I, I can have the book. I showed it to you for two minutes, and you're like, can I buy it? Can I, is there a print edition? And there was yeah. a store button in the corner. Yeah. So exactly, yeah. and, I think and that's what's going to happen too with Webtoon, I find. I think Webtoon's going to fight going to print until their last breath 
to be honest. Like you're talking about like a revenue problem. I think they're gonna like try it's to not bring. A, I don't. I don't think it's a problem. It's more like where can we get more money well, than we're already. Okay, getting. so that's what I'm saying. Like I think they're gonna keep fighting they're gonna be like oh we could make like action figures of the series or like whatever of the series or we could like have have exclusive content behind a paywall they're gonna keep brainstorming ideas to not go to print i feel Mm -hmm. like wait is webtoons not behind a paywall no it's all free it's all it's like the it's like the web comic model that people already consume it's free you get the app on your phone and there are ads at the very bottom of each chapter i thought some of the titles have a paywall no all of the ones that I, I follow, like 30, and they're all free. Hmm, hmm. interesting. Yeah, that can, but they're paying creators? They're paying creators. They're paying creators who have at least, like, 10,000 subscribers or something. Yeah, yeah. so it's kind of like the subscription so model, you're f- like, on YouTube. Okay, hold on a second. So I make a comic. I get it onto Webtoons, and if I get up to 10,000 subscribers, then I'll be paid? Yes. Mm-hmm. But before that, it just has to be a labor of love. Yes. Yep, just like all of comics no no yeah i'm just uh, i'm just putting it out i'm just i'm just trying to understand if i understand yes because more subscribers means more um exposure to the ads that are at the very bottom and they're very small ads like they're like the size of a post yeah i don't even notice the ads you don't even notice them so Um, then that won't work yeah yeah but 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 the thing is the people who are advertising on them are paying webtoon and then therefore so teach me more how much do you does a person make so you have ten thousand subscribers and you, it took you 2,000 pages to get there. Honestly. Are you paid retroactively or are you just paid now? Like paid per new page or, or paid new per new, I think paid monthly, just monthly or something stupid. Based on traffic, like an algorithm? Based on or? traffic. Yeah. Or like your subscribers, how many people read mm-hmm. your stuff, I think is like consistently keep updated with it. And basically there is, there is like a discover tab. So if you get into the discover, if they like, yeah, staff I'm on pick, discover. Right yeah. Now. If you yeah. get into discover or you get staff pick, then you get more traffic. Um, and also like it's the app is constantly curating you. So it sees what you're following and subscribing to, and it, it gives you suggestions. And then also at the bottom of your dashboard are what are currently top titles, what are currently trending. Okay, dear listener, you can learn along with me. You're in the Discover now. Yeah. So you could look for Sin. You could follow along on a learning journey with me later today by going and downloading Webtoons and then checking for Drake's work, which is available for free, mm-hmm. subscribing to it and helping him get to that all-important Are you 10, getting 000. close to 10,000? Not even close. Oh, I've got a good idea. You should do something at the convention where if somebody proves they're following you on Webtoon, they get like free, free something. something. Free stuff. Mm. We should all do that for Drake. Follow Drake um, on Webtoon. I'm going to get my own stuff on Webtoon. And what's no, interesting, beat him to 10, what's interesting is that you rate all of the comics that you like, and you can rate them every time a chapter comes up. You can rate them just as the comic itself. And there are co- there are ton people will comment. People will, you know... Um, you can create a whole community just based on Webtoon. So it's not like Webtoon is just a static um, void. It's there are tons of users on there talking to each other, and making there now I see the revenue model. It's yeah. the data of the, the it's that user data that they're yeah. selling. Mm-hmm. I see, and it is in your pocket on your phone because that is a device that every right. single person on this planet has. Yeah, I just had to hear that part to understand the revenue model. Uh-huh. Now I get it. Yeah. Okay. 
you have to know where the yeah what the devil's and bargain this platform is, is just is brand new and the thing is that when these kind of like um social media publishing platforms come out they have a really big heyday in the first two to five ish years and then something changes like we've seen it with instagram we've seen it with facebook we've seen it with youtube where people who are making very big incomes on developing their communities and their subscriberships um their incomes go down drastically because discoverability has gone down because these companies are being bought and sold by other companies and the algorithms are changing and they make it more challenging for content to get out there. So we don't really know what's going to happen with a platform. Is anybody else really annoyed with YouTube these days? Yes. It's like an annoying thing to use. Yeah, it's like watching TV and I can't stand it anymore. But But more on that thing with Webtoon. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm not putting all my eggs in that basket. Yeah. I'm definitely making ePro, or I guess you guys know the title now, the Pro Gaming Comic. We can bleep it out every time if you'd like to build mystery. Yeah, I'm making ePro. Show bill it. I'm making it targeted towards print first, and I'm thinking about formatting it specifically for Webtoon after, so I have two versions. But... Right now, I'm just kind of struggling, like, could I do that much work? Because it's already hard enough, you know, doing a comic. Now I got to format it for, like, smartphones and shit. And I'm still traveling and doing cons so practically full time. Yeah, so I've been thinking about, like, finding someone to, like, format the chapters for me. But then I'm like, do I even trust anyone who can turn my awesome paneling for, like, print into paneling for... Mm-hmm. Like for the tumble down. For the tumble down. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. yeah. What do you call that format? I don't know what it's called. I just, just I just call it the scroll. smartphone. It's just scroller format. format. Scroller format. It has a it has a term. It's endless something. Endless it's just something. Like the, yeah, endless scroll. An endless comic. An yeah. Endless waltz. Yeah. <laughs> and to be honest, there are some webtoons that I follow that are not uh, so highly composed, um, and everything is still in panels. They're just staggered. Yeah. Um, and they're they're popular. Um, there's actually a gaming one on there called Let's Play that does that. Um, and it's just it's just all paneled like that. Gaming one, huh? It's yeah. not gonna it's be a, as it, good as ePro. No, it's about it, <laughs> no, it's about a girl who wants to be a professional uh, video game designer, but she works at this big software firm, and she, it's just like a slice of life. Oh, like, slice kind of yeah, romantic awesome. comedy. Yeah, yeah it's okay. very sweet, but it's all done in panels, and it's very simple. Like it's not yeah. super um, high art form, as opposed to one that's like Laura Olympus or The Devil Is a Handsome Man. That's another thing I notice. Like, just that format in general is mm-hmm. more friendly towards less dramatic, you know, crazy storytelling. And you can't have like that accessible page fun. turn. And, like, it's more, I guess, it's it's easier for, like, if you just did a slice of life comedy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you, Drake, for sharing your varied experiences. This has been Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. And how the future is happening despite my old man's protestations. <laughs> um, it used to be better. It used to be better. Um, join the fight and make comments. <laughs>